to the Rookie Scale Podcast. I'm your host, John Chepkevich, and joining me today is NCAA Kingmaker, Baylor's Rem Bacamus. What's going on, Rem? That's a, that's quite the intro now, but uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. First of all, congratulations on winning the NCAA championship in you know, a pretty unprecedented year. It's got to be an amazing feeling, man. Just tell me, how have the last few days been for you? Are you on cloud nine right now? Like, how has everything been going, man? It's It's been amazing. Uh, definitely a dream come true for everybody involved. And uh, the last few days have been a blur. Uh, honestly, after we won it um, every day, it seems like it's just been one long day. Uh, phone calls, texts, messages, everything. So uh, we're, we're really fortunate to be in this position and, and super happy for our guys and Coach Drew and the whole staff. Yeah, you should be really proud, man. I mean, this is certainly, you know, an unprecedented year and there's a lot of challenges to go through with dealing with COVID. I think you guys had uh, a couple of pretty significant gaps during the year in December where you didn't play for about two weeks and then that longer stretch in February where you only played a game or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you maybe just speak to how you guys kind of stayed locked in stayed focused and were able to get through the challenges of those large gaps and the chaos that followed? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, the credit goes to our players, um, special group of guys that they didn't let anything that was thrown at them, you know, knock them off their, their path and their goals. So uh, when you got players like that, that can stay focused through a, you know, three week pause and and still come back ready to play. Uh, You just got to give them a lot of the credit. Um, You know, obviously, we knew this year was was going to be different than most years. So when we had our guys start testing positive and, and guys dropping and things like that, uh, we just had to get creative with how to help guys improve, um, you know, whether it was film or just talking to them on the phone, things to keep them involved. But like I said, our guys are our guys are just a different group and, and it didn't take much rallying for them. As soon as they were able to get back in the gym, they were back on the mission to get better and uh, get ready to win games when we got back off that pause. Yeah, man, that definitely showed through. This is clearly a really special group. You guys won by an average of 15 points per game in the NCAA tournament, just kind of tore the field apart. I think your closest game was a nine-point win against Arkansas that you know felt like it was more for stretches of that game, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, how did you guys kind of, you know, come into that bubble environment sort of down in Indianapolis and – how did you prepare for that? How is that sort of different than experiences that you were used to in previous NCAA tournaments, both at Gonzaga and Baylor? Like what were the practice schedules like? How did you conduct your film sessions? Like was the hotel stay different? Like what was the experience like down in Indy? Yeah, the, the experience was so different from my past NCAA uh, tournament experiences just because everybody was in the same hotel. Um, and, you know, you're used to fans being in the hotel and families and, all the kind of rah-rah and emotions that come along with uh, the, the fans and all the hype and all that. But it just it just allowed us to really lock in and focus more on, on ourselves and focus on whatever game we had in front of us. And our players, they, I mean, I can't, I can't give them, you know, enough praise. They, they are so different. Um, they chose to play games like Uno in the bubble with each other and play Connect Four. Uh, you know, we had like a game room set up. So, We'd have uh, meal and film and games in that room, but our guys spent the majority of the time in there with each other, playing, you know, challenging coaches and connect for things like that. 
And, uh, you know, it just kind of felt like it, it was it was a team of destiny. Um, you know, since last year got canceled, they've been on this mission for two years, some of them three years. And uh, they're just so such a special group. And Coach Drew does such a good job with team building activities. Um, a lot of teams, I think, would get tired of each other for a month. Our guys, it's it, like we're all back and we're hanging out with each other. It feels like we still got more to accomplish in a way. But, uh, you know, with with the staff and everything, Coach Drew did all these these things for our uh, players to to spend time together and to spend time with the coaches and everybody that was in our bubble. But ultimately, our players, they just they knew we went there with a goal in mind and they took every day, you know, tried to go one and know every day. That's kind of one of our, our mantras. And uh, yeah, we came out on top because of them and, and how they prepared that whole that whole month in the bubble. Yeah, you guys were clearly very in sync uh, the whole way through the tournament. It really showed, especially on the defensive side in that championship game. I mean, everyone is in lockstep. Everyone's in their correct defensive assignments. People cover up for people's mistakes. Like everyone's sort of tuned in. And I think that comes back to, like you said, uh, you know, having that specific mission in mind. And I recall Jared Butler uh, last pre-draft process when he decided to come back to school. Um, you know, he could have gone into the draft bin, probably an early second round pick, but he came back because he truly felt like you guys would have won the national championship had there been a March Madness. And it was really cool to see, you know, how driven you guys were toward that goal and to making that a reality this year. No, for sure. And Jared's a Jared's such a smart kid already at his age. And um, him and Maceo deciding to come back was kind of like the the start to the whole journey. So, um, you know, like you said, he could have left and he would have been drafted for sure. Say we had a tournament last year and we made a run. I don't think him, Maceo, or even Davion would have came back. I think if Davion got into workouts, teams would have saw what we all knew. Yeah. Um, but, you know, JB was such a great leader and coming back to school was huge for the whole program, the city of Waco, all the fans and everything, because we knew we had, you know, the best three guards in the nation four guards with flag and uh yeah just i mean we're all really lucky that that jared made that decision definitely so you know getting him back uh was obviously key and you know some of the other names that you just hit on um along with some of the others on your roster you guys really capitalize on the transfer market right like even jared butler's almost sort of a transfer from his original commitment to alabama uh, we all know Davion at Auburn, mm-hmm. Maceo's a transfer as well, Flag's a transfer. All these yep. guys are are transfers. Uh, can you maybe just speak to how your program has been able to capitalize on the transfer market and, um, you know, just how you've went about constructing this roster in a kind of new way that I think might become a little bit more popular here in the coming years as, uh, you know, the transfer rules are changing and we see so many guys in the portal. How did you guys maximize that? Yeah, our coaches, I mean, they kind of made a shift in their mindset with the type of guys we wanted to get. Um, Coach Drew does such a good job at at getting players that are high character. Uh, they, They come from a family of faith and where God is, you know, at the forefront of their life. Uh, they, they all have great parents and they've been raised the right way. And so when you get guys like that in a locker room together, it's it's easy to see why they succeed. Um, and, you know, all of them came, you know, Davion wanted to play point guard. Jared wanted to play point guard. Macy wanted to play point guard. Flag wanted to play point guard. You know, all those guys had the ball in their hands their whole lives. And to sacrifice for each other um, and to learn how to play off the ball and how 
how to go, you know, stretches of the game without having the rock in their hands at all times just uh, says a lot about who they are and, and the culture at Baylor. And, you know, it's not easy to tell kids 18 to 22 that they got to go cut instead of have the ball and come off the ball screen. Right. They all sacrifice. Right. Um, and, you know, they're just they're just such awesome guys and they love each other. And, and that's why they're willing to make those sacrifices, because they knew the ultimate goal was the national championship. And kind of if everybody eats or if one guy eats, everybody eats. So, uh, yeah, they were super selfless and, and they're such a great group. Yeah, there's definitely something to be able to judge character and uh transfers potential willingness to make those sacrifices and blend into a team concept. But, you know, in addition to that, I think Baylor has kind of become a little bit known for um, some of the extra efforts that you guys are making from both an analytical perspective and your high volume of team managers that you have cycling through with very specific roles. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a couple guys in the Phoenix Suns front office now and Ryan Rash and Zach Amundsen that Yep. both came through that program and kind of laid the groundwork for, you know, analytically focused team uh, managers and, um, you know, implementing that sort of strategy into your team. Can you maybe speak to kind of where that stands now and how you guys are working analytics into your day to day? Yeah. I mean, first off, you see the success the Suns are having um, with those two. It's no secret that uh, they play a big part, a uh, big part there. And, and they also played a huge part at Baylor. Um, I want to say then that Ryan Resch introduced Coach Drew to Ken Palm. Uh, I don't know if that was a thing. I think, you know, uh, with analytics that some people just take numbers um, with no context. And Coach Drew does such a good job of taking the context with, you know, the feel for the game. So it's it's never just going to he's not just going to put a number in your face without the why. Um, He's going to tell you this is you shoot this percentage when you land on one foot, here's the film to back it up, or he's going to tell you, you know, when we get the ball reversed, our points per possession is well over one. When we don't reverse the ball is below one, uh, things like that. So he did a good job of mixing the analytics and, you know, the film and and showing guys that it's not just a number, there's a reason to it. Um, And that's a huge thing, especially, I mean, he's got, He's got so many people in his ear and so many people that'll probably try to tell him what to do or how to change. And, uh, you know, even in my three years, Coach Drew changed kind of his uh, his coaching style in a way with uh, more freedom for the guards, less big oriented. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he just ingrains in your head the right the right way to play basketball. So uh, analytics was a huge part of that. And and we have one of the best uh, analytics GAs in the world. Ben Everett, uh, he's going to be an NBA GM or be in a front office one day. Uh, the things he does for our scouts and and how he turns numbers, um, and he, he has the numbers make sense for everybody because not everybody yeah. can look at the number, you know, points per possession or whatever it is, efficiencies. He makes it make sense for everybody. Um, yeah, and Ben is a huge reason for our success and, and why our scouting was so elite this year. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know, it's just super important to be able to take – all this sort of data and contextualize it, be able to express it in a way that relates to each individual player, kind of craft that message in a way that resonates with them. So, you know, I think the fact that you have a staff that's capable of doing that definitely goes a long way and certainly Mm -hmm. played a a big part in what you guys were doing uh, this season en route to your championship. Um, 
Last, last thing I want to ask. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know your backstory uh, and having been a walk-on at Gonzaga, a uh, beloved figure within the program and helping shape that culture there. Um, but what was it like now in your third year as a GA at Baylor to sort of uh, take down a program that's so near and dear to your heart and, uh, you know, Coach Few obviously means a lot to you. What was it like to have come out on top there, but in doing so, having to take down uh, the program that kind of brought you up? Yeah, no, uh, it was bittersweet for sure. I mean, those guys are so deserving of a national championship. And, uh, you know, I'll defend those guys every day and twice on Sunday. I love them to death. I, I would not be at Baylor. I would not be on the path I'm at um, or the path I'm on without all their help and their mentorship and everything. So I'm just grateful for all the experiences I gained at Gonzaga, all the memories, all the relationships, because they shaped me uh, into who I am and, and the, the coach I'm becoming. And, you know, their year was incredible. They're one of the most fun teams I've ever watched in the history of basketball. And so to beat them, obviously, it was just it was just hard to kind of take away that game from them. But in, in the same sense, like I, I didn't want our guys to lose and I didn't want to be on the yeah. losing end either. So uh, it was bittersweet for sure. But I know they're, they're going to get their chance again. And they do such a good job. And Coach Fuse, obviously one of the best coaches of all time. And he's going to be a national champion for sure. Yeah, they're definitely here to stay. I mean, that program is just built so soundly and, you know, they'll lose some guys to the draft this year, but they're still a stable of, you know, top 100 recruits, interesting international recruits on the bench that, you know, if at another program would have been big contributors this year, right? So they're ready to rock and roll headed into next year, no doubt. For sure, for sure. And they just, I mean, the way they've built that culture in their system, they're just going to keep plugging in talented players and it's going to keep operating and, uh, they do a good job of getting everybody bought into the to the common goals. And, um, yeah, I, there's no doubt in my mind Coach she's going to be a national champion here in the next few years. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, and you said, you know, you'd defend those guys till the end. I'll give you your chance to kind of defend some of the players as far as, uh, you know, where they stand as draft prospects uh, yeah. on the Gonzaga side. But let's start with your guys first, right? I, I'd love to kind of – go through both teams here, do a like a lightning round almost of the relevant NBA prospects for the 2021 NBA draft, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what you see from their game that uh, translates to the NBA. And then would also just like to hear your perspective or maybe some sort of anecdote about, you know, who they are as people off the court and like, uh, you know, what a team could expect from them in that capacity and what, you know, yep. what makes them tick, right? So right. let's start with Davion, who's obviously getting – quite a lot of buzz here and all these uh post-tournament mocks and boards he's the the sharp riser i've seen him in the top 10 quite a few places he's uh currently number 14 on the rookie scale consensus board so he's firmly in the lottery now uh i guess just i'll give you the floor right now what makes davion so special and how do you see him translating to the nba yeah, uh, it'll be hard not to take like 30 minutes to talk about Davion. Uh, I think one of the, the things that always stood out to me is how competitive he is and how badly he wants to win. Um, you know, there was a time this spring when we were playing two-on-two, uh, or not this spring, the fall, my bad. And uh, it was kind of with COVID and everything, so limited people in the gym, whatever. And he won 22 straight games at two-on-two over like a course of three days. Like he couldn't be stopped. Um and he does it on both sides of the ball. Some guys will take plays off defensively or 
find a time to rest. He just never does. And that's yep. the same with him off the court. He spent every day this last three years trying to get better every single day. And like, it's cliche to say that, like, but it's real with him. He's yeah. always texting, asking for film. He just called me and asked, uh, before I got on here, he just called me and asked if I had his uh, film from the Houston game. Cause I guess I forgot to upload it to our little uh, iCloud thing. Um, but like he's his always 12, his 12 points, 11 assists, zero yeah, turnovers like, game. I didn't do a good enough job as a GA getting his film, all his film uploaded. Uh, <laughs> but he, I mean, he's just always thinking about how to get better. He's on the, our film website. He's watching pros, you know, and he studies it and he, he'll go watch Donovan Mitchell, John Rand, those guys. And then he wants to go in the gym and try to replicate it. And he's such a special individual. He made everybody better that came across him at Baylor from the GAs to managers to coaches. He just elevates everybody around him. So uh, he's a winner. He's going to keep winning. Whoever takes him in the draft is going to be the smartest NBA organization um, because when you get him, you're going to get a true winner and a competitor that's going to make everybody better. Yeah, he's definitely gained some uh, some fans in NBA front offices here for sure that definitely believe now because I think – there was some level of skepticism just from the perspective of, you know, he's a little bit older as a redshirt junior and the shooting numbers in prior years might've been a little bit lower. So people were questioning, you know, the 45% this year. They didn't believe, I'll tell you, a lot of people didn't believe that those numbers were going to like stay how they were through the season. But the the way he works, everybody here knew that it was legit. He should, he should have shot 40 from three last year. Um, he just, you know, got off to a slow start at the beginning of the season. But, no, nah, it's legit. And the way he works, like, it's, he's just going to keep getting better and his shooting is going to keep improving. Everything is. Yeah, no, I think there's reason to be optimistic this year. And he recently declared for the draft. So really excited for him to kind of cap. I don't know if he declared yet. I don't know if he declared yet. Okay. I, I think I saw, maybe I saw a release about it. Maybe he didn't formally post his job. Shams yeah. jumping the gun. I don't want to slander Shams on the pod, no, no, but maybe never, maybe never. let's uh, maybe let's keep a lookout for an update on that here yeah, in the coming wait days. Then. From, from Davion himself, I think. All right, that's that's fair. We'll wait for Davion's uh, you know official decision whether he decides to test the waters yeah. or what what his move is there. But if he does, can't blame him. Uh, obviously, his stock is rising. So uh, so excited for what's to come for Davion in the future. Uh, let's move on to Jared, right? So the final four most outstanding player, like we talked about uh, before, he was an All-American last year, could have left and been picked in the early second round probably, mm-hmm. came back, accomplished his goal of winning a national championship and was incrementally better basically across the board this year. I think he might have the best handle in college basketball, at least for my money. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, so you know, super steady, consistent, reliable leader. Um, what's your sort of take on how Jared translates to the next level? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, as far as handling the ball, um, I don't know if you're going to find a, a more crafty and, uh, you know, type of playground handle other than Kyrie Irving, yeah. um, Jamal Crawford-esque. But, uh, yeah, D- Jared's going to be a great pro. Um, he can shoot the ball off the catch. He can shoot it off the bounds. And you saw how well he improved his passing and defense this year. Um, you put him, him in ball screen situations, he's always going to make the right read. Uh, he's going to manipulate whatever tag comes. He's either going to hit the roll or he's going to hit the the fill. So uh, he's just so dialed in and so focused in those uh, situations. You just know he's going to make the right play. 
Um, and defensively was his main goal, come back and improve that. And right. uh, he was off the charts this year defensively, um, off the ball, on the ball. You know, he watched so much film uh, prior to games and he was really vocal with our team. And, you know, playing with Davion and Mark helps because those guys can give you pointers whenever you need them. But, uh, yeah, he, he's going to be a tremendous NBA player and he's going to have a long, long career. Yeah, I had the chance to speak with him last offseason when he was testing the waters and all of that sort of really showed through during that conversation like he's a guy that definitely values preparation and you know gets kind of genuine joy out of the game and making his teammates better and just helping the team win so that's a guy that I would certainly bet on going forward and he's currently ranked uh, 23rd in the rookie scale consensus rankings so pretty firmly in the first round there and uh you know excited to see where he ends up landing uh you know if again if he decides to enter the draft he he hasn't decided anything either but you know obviously an interesting interesting prospect yeah now we'll move on to some guys that are more on kind of on the fringe from nba perspectives uh you know based on what you see in mocks and boards so matthew mayer just known for having the most electric hair in the in college basketball. I, I don't know what else to say there. It's something special, but you know, as far as his game goes, being six foot nine with that crazy positional size on the wing, really good shooter, some pretty strong defensive analytical indicators. I think he's caught some NBA eyes as uh, kind of one of these under the radar rising prospects. So you want to maybe speak to his game and maybe where you see it evolving to going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I don't know if I've seen a more talented basketball player than Matt. Uh, just the way he can dribble, shoot, and pass at 6'9". He's fast. He's just about as fast as anybody other than Davion. Um, and he started to take defense more serious this year. You know, he took that huge charge on Timmy that was kind yeah. of a, a dagger for, for the Zags. And, um, you know, he's another guy who has to sacrifice a lot. He'd be the best player on – many teams in college basketball. And so you just get to see glimpses of of his greatness and, you know, whether he decides to come or uh, come back or, or leave for the draft, I think, you know, he'll make an NBA team happy for sure. Um, Just because he's been around great players already. He's proven he can play, you know, with NBA talent or NBA uh, caliber guards. So whatever decision he makes, he'll do it for the best or uh, for him with, you know, his family in mind and all that. But, it, I think the thing for him is he improved so much from last year to this year. If he comes back, yeah. he's going to have another huge jump and his numbers are going to skyrocket because he's going to play more minutes and have the ball in his hands a lot more. Cause like people don't even get to see him play making the ball screen enough. Right. We have so many guys who can do it, but uh, you know, he's one of the best, best uh, feel for the game players we have. So he's he's going to be a great pro one day. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's some of the context that NBA evaluators are kind of juggling right now is, you know, Mm -hmm. do we, if he were to enter, like, do we take a swing on, you know, knowing that there's sort of untapped potential that his usage wasn't all that high, just given the strength of the team and the guards around him? Like, do we, you know, believe in that upside to a point that maybe we're capitalizing on a market of inefficiency and grabbing him now, whereas if he returns next year, his value might might skyrocket right to your point mm-hmm. he'll probably have the ball in his hands a lot more next year so yeah definitely an interesting uh stay go decision um there but regardless of if he comes back or goes to the nba i think exactly what you hit on he's pretty pretty interesting 
talent yeah. for sure. He's got every tool in in that toolbox. He can do it all, man. Like he, some of the things he's done in practice are just make you laugh because you ha- you haven't seen it before. Uh, I come, I've compared him to Adam Morrison on Twitter at one point. And people, yeah, were all over me for it. But truly, like <laughs> I've, I've played with both of them and I've seen both of them, and he's got that it factor. Like the balls in his hands, you know, ninety percent of the time something good happens. So, yeah. you know, I love his projection in the NBA. Regardless if it's this year or next year, I think he, he's going to make it work and he'll stick. Yeah, no, he, he's a really fun, fun prospect, fun guy to watch. And, yeah. you know, if he does come back, if this name image likeness stuff comes through, I mean, oh. that dude, that dude is going to capitalize on it. He's got to get, get that mullet trademarked, everything yeah. like that. I mean, just a just a really fun, fun player. For sure. For sure. Two more guys. So both of these guys would have probably been Portsmouth shoe-ins this year if things were going as normal, right? Like would have gone and competed uh, against the other top seniors in the country. But that obviously isn't happening this year. And they still have the option to potentially return if they want to and use that extra year of eligibility. But uh, Mark Vital and Maceo Teague, uh, who, you know, Maceo, you refer to as uh, Mr. Seven Foot Wingspan here. Uh, these, these are both pretty fun uh, you know, upperclassmen that, you know, in this title run have shown some stuff that I think should at least get them knocking on the door as far as, you know, undrafted free agent chances or summer league opportunities uh, at the least. Um, Maceo, it particularly stood out in the championship game when Gonzaga went to zone that Maceo was just finding all those little soft spots in the zone and just knocking on those mid-rangers. Yeah, he was nasty. He like totally took them out of that zone. They couldn't even run it anymore because yeah. he was just knifing it up. Yeah, his mid range is special, man. Uh, we played Washington. His yeah. second game of his college career, and I think one of our coaches' biggest regret is that we didn't put Maceo in the middle of the zone. Right. Because that's like that's his wheelhouse off the of bounce, getting into the mid range. Um, you know, so. We learned from that lesson, and once we played the Zags, we knew you throw Maceo in there, he's going to get a bucket. His touch around the rim is is special. His ability to get a shot off off the bounce is, is I think it's at NBA level. Um, the way he uses the backboard and, and uses angles, you know, he just never got enough credit because we had so many good players. But to average right. 16 a game and shoot 40 from three in the Big 12 and th- like two or three 20-point games in the NCAA tournament – um, I don't understand why I guess his age and, and people question his shot, but, um, you know, I don't understand why an NBA team wouldn't take a chance on Macy Oteague. His characters at an elite level. Uh, he's just got this great spirit about him. He comes into a room and, and he makes everybody feel special. And, and he's been a phenomenal leader behind the scenes. Um, a guy that, that can talk to Mark Vidal, who's not always easy to talk to, uh, <laughs> You know, he's a, he's a pretty fiery individual. He can talk to Mark Vidal. He, he he just rallied the troops at so many times. Um, yeah. Half times, especially. And he's a guy that you can put into an NBA game and I can see him succeed. And I, I know he maybe he doesn't pop out on film um, for some people, but once you put him in a workout with some of these guys, they're going to see that Macy Oteague is, is what, has what it takes to play in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some stuff to work with there and the, you know, the off-court leadership aspects that you, 
you mentioned and the communication and all of that, I think that'll definitely shine through during mm-hmm. the pre-draft process when he's doing interviews. And like you said, in the kind of intimate environment of team workouts and whatnot, I mean, I think he's a guy that based on the tournament run, the production this year that you mentioned already, and you know how he could show in a pre-draft process, you know, I, I think it's very, very possible that he could, you know, end up working himself into the mix For from sure. an NBA all it's going to take is one team to be smart enough to to give him a chance, and he'll do the rest. His work ethic is unmatched. His attention to detail, um, his IQ and feel are phenomenal. And if somebody puts him in a position to succeed, he's going to succeed. You just you just can't count out Maceo. Yeah, no that that's great to hear. And then Mark, you you alluded to uh, maybe not being the easiest to talk to, just from like a like like a fiery personality yeah. perspective or yeah. uh, I, and I mean I think that shows in his play on the court being like your kind of defensive anchor high motor built like an NFL tight end out there yeah. you know able to guard centers guard multiple positions like you know this is a guy who again I think at Portsmouth would have been really fun to see him in that environment yeah. just being hyper competitive there and kind of proving himself against guys that might be ranked higher than him on draft boards and whatnot so you know what do you see from Mark as far as uh, an NBA translatability perspective? Yeah, I mean, Mark is just a, a complete junkyard dog, and whatever team he plays with is going to win because he's going to do all the extra things that don't show up on the on the box score. Um, but he values winning, and he hates getting scored on. So you you take those two things into the mix, and you got a guy that you, you want in your foxhole with you at all times. And yep. uh, his ability to play off the short roll this year and, and make passes – yeah. And, you know, a little mid post. He was he was a great passer for us. Um, guy, team started fanning out on our shooters and really trying to take them away and just kind of leaving Mark in the middle. And he just started cutting up the defense by telling guys to cut. And he was moving it and, and a really good ball mover. So I think if you plug him in somewhere, he's going to find his way. He, the shooting is going to come along if he spends time working on it and um, some translatable skills in the NBA is going to need to pick up. But you know, just his personality and his will to win. And that's to say, if he decides to go the NBA route, I think there's a couple uh, NFL quarterbacks who are currently recruiting <laughs> him, uh, privately trying to get him in some uh, football workouts. But uh, whatever. I've, Mark uh, Lee, I've joked with that. I've joked about that with some uh, some agents that I'm friends with that yeah. are part of an agency that has both basketball and football. I'm like, you know, there's a high floor here that you know, if you took them and basketball didn't work out, which, you know, hopefully it does. But this dude, I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, former college basketball players go on to NFL careers. I mean, he's, yeah. he's got the he's got the tools for it. But I mean, yeah, I, I think he's got a legit shot at basketball first. Right. No, you know that you know that. But whatever he does, he'll he'll be OK. The physicality, you can't be taught. Um, yeah. When, when he's I mean, when he's out there, you just feel him at all times. Absolutely. And, in, you know, in today's NBA, you can get away with having these like stronger, small ball uh, yeah. bigs that can kind of be connecting pieces on offense and do a lot of things on defense. Exactly. So, you know, there's something potentially there. And then, you know, just a couple guys to keep an eye on going forward. And, you know, Flagler had a heck of an NCAA tournament. Uh, Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. I mean, very good. Very hey, good. Was that a pretty good pronunciation? Yeah, I did did my homework on that one. No, yeah. but but uh honestly, those guys, you know, they fly under the radar within the in the 
kind of grand scheme of your team right now, but you know, just really excited to see those guys next year in kind of increased roles, especially Flagler with the ball in his hands more often. Uh, you know, just a couple guys to keep an eye on for 2022 uh, and on. Definitely. Those, and both of them work just like the other guys. Um, you know, Adam, they're both NBA players to me. Adam, another guy who just sacrificed, was willing to kind of space yeah. the floor more and didn't really have the ball in his hands as much and he, he didn't say a word about it he never pouted he never complained john the same way so those guys know their turn yep. is coming up and um you know they're already back in the gym trying to get get better and and get ready for next season because it's really their team between yep. them and matt and um you know baylor's got so many great pieces coming back yeah and that's what makes a stable consistent program is having these guys that have that NBA talent that are kind of waiting in the wings for, mm -hmm. for their opportunity to shine. So they were great contributors this year. Expect yeah. to see more great things from them next year. So let's move over to the Zags. Obviously have a good handful of NBA prospects being, you know, a, hist a historically great team. And you're obviously quite familiar with some of these guys uh, mm -hmm. being a former Zag yourself. So uh, let's just start with Jalen Suggs, who at the beginning of the year started out as kind of a late lottery prospect before the season started, mm -hmm. uh, but very immediately vaulted himself into the top three to five. Um, obviously, the final four game, that moment really yeah. sticks out with the half court shot. I mean, that, yeah. not too much to take away from that from a you know NBA perspective other than like he's got some sort of it factor and like wants the ball in his hands and you know, it's kind of a magnetic personality, but you know, the play earlier in the game where he got that blocked shot and had that nasty full court pass really stands yeah. out and just his consistent effort, competitiveness, uh, and leading a team like that as a true freshman, uh, to an undefeated season up, up until the championship game. I mean, the, it's tough to argue with where he stands as a prospect right yeah. now. I think any NBA team would be lucky to have him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen as a, as an NBA player? Yeah, I don't think I have to do too much uh, selling on him, but uh, you can't go wrong with him or Cade Cunningham with that first pick. Um, you know, just the stories I hear about how competitive he is in practice and workouts and in the weight room, things like that. I mean, he gets on that court and he's he's going at you. Uh, you could tell how important winning is to him. And so just his competitiveness stood out to me and, and his will to win. Um and just always making the right plays offensively, defensively, like he makes all the right plays. And at his age to play, um, you know, with that type of poise and, and to never get sped up, like he's, he's going to be a tremendous NBA player. And I'm super excited to see who drafts him and, and how he does in the NBA. But uh, he was a fun, he was a fun, fun player to watch. Yeah. And I mean, you guys schemed about as well as you could against Gonzaga to make life difficult for them on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, Jalen still had his moments and despite, you know, how crazy good of perimeter defenders yeah. you guys have and help defense, like he's just a stud. Um, yeah. But moving on to, uh, you know, someone you're probably a little more intimately familiar with uh, who's been in the program a little bit longer, uh, Corey Kispert. This is a guy who, you know, similar to what we said with Jared, earlier probably could have got picked in the early second round last year mm. came back to school and you know vaulted himself up right into the lottery discussion just being probably the best shooter in the draft class if not yeah. one of the top three or right? in the world he might be the best 
I'm, he's he's up there, man. That dude is a bona fide sniper, yeah. uh, super consistent. But I think he, you know, some of the other elements of his game can get lost in the shuffle as far as you know being a better defender than people think. He's pretty strong, has some actually kind of sneaky vertical pop. He had yeah, a pretty uh, yeah, he had a pretty impressive block against you guys, if I recall. Yeah. Um, and he dunked and then, the off that one cut. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's surprising he, pop. Yeah, he's a better athlete than people think. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously had like some struggles against you guys because you guys made life so difficult for him and schemed really well against him. But, you know, on the whole has shown a lot this year to be encouraged about as far as being such a clean fit at the NBA level. So what what do you think of him uh, as far as his NBA translatability? Yeah, uh, Corey's he's a top 10 pick to me. The way he shoots it, he can run. He can defend and he finishes at the rim better than people give him credit for. Yeah. Um, I remember last year he was like the number one points per possession uh, player in pick and roll situations, passing and shooting included. So clearly he can, he's a good decision maker and, and he can play make for others too. So I think he's just a, a no brainer, you know, uh, especially the way shooting's valued and um, the way he gets out in transition. Like if you're not there on the catch, our whole thing was you just can't even let him get a shot off. If you, yeah. get, if you get the shot off, it's a loss for us. So right, um, and credit to our guards and and our fours and fives for locating him. But he's gonna he's gonna kill in the NBA and put him around, you know, some ball handlers that can find him shots. He's he's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I mean, he had what what was it fifty three forty four eighty eight splits this year on high volume shooting. Like it's yeah. pretty pretty unheard of. Those, he's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I totally agree that you get him in an NBA system. It's just a pretty obvious fit yeah. that he'll be able to add value, especially with more space. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll move on to someone who I think has kind of been consistently underrated as an NBA prospect. He's getting a little bit more shine now, but still hasn't gotten that uh, that NCAA attorney bump uh, to the extent some others have. But yeah. uh, Ayayi, I, I mean, I think for him, it's just like, a very clear, obvious fit is this kind of complimentary piece, like easy plug and play yeah. role player that can fit alongside stars and just kind of sure. meld into any lineup and do what you ask of them. Right. Like this guy has high basketball IQ and can do a little bit of everything. He, he's kind of the reason they won that UCLA game. He had he, a monster he game. game. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I don't know if they even run one set for the guy and he averages like 14, right. 13 a game. Uh, his feel for when to cut, uh, you yeah. know, when to give the ball up. He's a special player. Um, and a lot of it, it just gets lost when you got so many good players. He's the type of guy that if he was on a, a different team and he had the ball in his hands a lot, I think he'd be like a top 20 pick. Um, but right. he's proven he can play with talented people and he's definitely got a feel for the NBA coming from France. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to shine for the the French national team whenever he gets that chance. And and he's going to be a great pro. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, part of the appeal is that he's able to be so impactful without the ball in his hands. Cause you know, once you get to a certain point in the draft uh, I think like on ball equity and high usage kind of goes by the wayside and you're looking for guys who can fill a role and be a connecting piece. And I think, you know, once you get past the lottery or, you know, top 20, like, that's what you're looking for is someone who can stick. Guys need the ball in their hands and need to go yeah. try to score. Like he's a per- him and Maceo, I think are two like are similar in that way where yeah they don't get the credit they deserve. 
but when you're around them and you watch them, you like they just have the it factor. They got a knack for the ball. They got a knack for how to score. Um, yeah, but Joel, I mean, I, he's an easy, easy first round pick if I'm drafting. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, personally, I feel like he is a first rounder as well. And uh, we'll see after things sort of shake out here uh, where he ultimately lands. But two more guys here and Drew Timmy, all American season, really good passer out of the post, always has his head up, able to hit cutters, uh, really good finisher, like crafty footwork and everything. Right. But, you know, I think the, what makes people skeptical from an NBA perspective, uh, you guys kind of put it on display with, uh, you know, getting him into switches, getting him out in space, forcing him to, defend on the perimeter where he's not as comfortable. Right. So, you know, where do you see things going for him from an NBA perspective and, you know, how do you think that he can improve upon like what I touched upon there to kind of round out his game defensively to make him more of a sure thing going forward? Yeah. I think first of all, uh, his personality is special. Like he's a guy who can fit into an NBA locker room and he's going to make it fun. He's going to challenge the coaches like he he's a great, great person and he makes everybody have fun that's around him. And that's something that not everybody can say Um, as far as like the defense and everything. He's going to get better um, defensively. You know, it's not easy to be out there on an island versus our guys. So, like, yeah, he's he's going to be fine. He's going to be an NBA player for sure. And, uh, you know, with more reps and and working on that type of stuff, he's he's going to be fine. But um, it's not it's no easy task to get out there and guard one on one. It, you saw the whole tournament, our whole season, we got guys into switches. Jericho yep. Sims is a freak, and yep. he can move laterally, and he's long, and he can jump, and he had trouble against our guards. And yeah. it's, not, it's not about the defender. It's just about our guards and how they're going to attack because you got to almost get lucky with them because um, they're so special <laughs> in ISIS. Right. And so Drew's going to be fine. I think he if he comes back, you know, he's going to be the best player in college basketball next year. If he goes to the NBA, a team definitely needs to draft him and – and he'll make it work. You saw like the footwork can't be taught. The shot fakes. He finishes. Yeah. Hands. I think he had like forty and ones this season. <laughs> he's a beast, man. He's gonna be. A, he's gonna be a long time pro. Yeah, all that stuff comes so naturally to him. He's really gifted at all of that. And the the, the personality that you brought up at the beginning. I was joking with someone recently that Drew Timmy is basically a WWE wrestler in a basketball player's body, like the personality, yeah. the mustache celebrations, like yeah. all, all of it. And, you know, that stuff's all fun and goofy, but you did see him speaking with his teammates after the game in that, in that huddle after they had lost and really just talking his guys up and being like an encouraging uh, leader in that moment. So, uh, you know, I think that there, there's definitely a lot, uh, you know, to still like about him, despite, you know, any sort of weakness on the defensive end that he could yeah. potentially improve on going forward. You can, you can improve on those things. And he's, I'm sure he's going to make it a priority. You just can't teach like some of his intangibles and yeah. I just love him as a person. He makes the game fun, makes everybody enjoy life. So that's something that can always be used in an NBA locker room. Absolutely. Um, and then the last guy we wanted to hit on here is Andrew Nemhard, who, uh, you know, more recent transfer from Florida, former, I think, top 25 recruit, uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily like a bona fide shooter, but he's gotten better at finishing at the rim each passing season. He's a really high level passer, takes care of the ball. I think he's got a, you know, around a four to one assist to turnover ratio, you know, something in that ballpark. Assists. Yeah. 140 assists, like 30 something uh, turnovers. He's 
I love Andrew Nemhard. He doesn't get talked about enough either. Yeah. Ball screen technician. Um, you know, Tyrese Halliburton was kind of the same way uh, in my mind where if you get, put him in space and you give him a ball screen, he literally makes the right play every time. And right. He's had so many good uh, pick and roll players come through there. Kevin Pangos, Dick Al, you know, Josh Perkins. And for him to say he's the best ball screen uh, player he's ever had, then that means something. Uh, yeah. Andrew, I mean, the shot, I think his the like his last 10 games or so or uh, second half of the year, his shooting improved. And, yep. uh, you know, being in the bubble, you get to see who's going to the gym at night because we all had uh, specific times. And he was with the uh, the Gonzaga GAs all the time going into the gym. So, you know, he's working on the shooting. He He's definitely underrated. But I think he can be like Tyrese Halliburton. Like he doesn't have to be on the ball all the time, but you put him with another yeah. guy. And he's going to make the right plays and, and make everybody around him better. Yeah, he's got great size uh, at the point guard position, too, to kind of, like you were speaking to, as being such a good pick-and-roll initiator and making the right reads all the time. Having that size at the point guard position can kind of give you that leg up as far as uh, vision to see the whole court, see those skip passes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, see what maybe a smaller point guard can't, and he definitely, you know, takes full advantage of that. So I think that's a guy who was kind of on draft radars as a freshman that, you know, you're seeing a little bit of a resurgence now and, you know, why he was a top 25 recruit to begin with. For sure. And uh, just to that ball screen point, I think he's the second uh, most points per possession, like 1.3 when he comes off a ball screen. So, you know, he's making the right pass or the right read every time. And that's yeah. with such a ball screen heavy league now in the NBA. That's right. something he could step in and do. If he comes back to school, him and Timmy are going to be a problem. Uh, yeah, that's a nasty pick and roll combo right yeah. there. Especially if we'll we'll see who recruit or who uh, commits here pretty soon. Yeah, but uh, they're gonna. I mean, they're just reloading. And if he's at the helm of it, they're going to be right back where they were um, this season. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, like we said before, there's a lot of just studs that were on the bench there too. So if, you know, they get a couple of their NBA level prospects back, plus all those guys winning in the wings, plus, uh, plus whoever you might've been alluding to right there, wink, wink, Uh, dribble pass and be the future number one draft pick. Yeah. That might help things a little bit, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But either way, Gonzaga is going to be stacked again next year. Rem, really appreciate your perspective on both, you know, Baylor's prospects, Gonzaga's prospects. You, you know, you're in a unique position to have such deep knowledge of both teams and kind of what these guys bring to the table, who they are as people. So really appreciate that. And before we wrap up here, I just want to hear what's next for you? What's, uh, what's in your sort of game plan? What is next in your career path here? You've obviously, you know, been a part of two great programs as a player and now, uh, in your three years at Baylor here. So what, what's next for Rem? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, making a lot of phone calls, sending texts. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to work for a division one basketball team or an NBA organization if possible. So, uh, just got to remain patient, figure out, you know, what, uh, things are going to open up and be available. And in the time being, I'll just be in Waco working out with the guards and, uh, you know, trying to help guys get better every day with whatever they're, they're trying to add to their game. So that's, that's all I got right now. Um, but currently I'm about to be unemployed. So i try to find a job here pretty soon. 
Hey, I mean, I think your resume is pretty unique for uh, someone your age and, you know, having been part of uh, these two programs and, you know, obviously you have two of the the better references that you could possibly have. So uh, I, I yeah, I'm i uh, I'm very confident in uh, that you're going to be picked up soon and that you have a bright future ahead of you you in college basketball, wherever that takes you. So uh, best of luck with that. that. Yeah, of of course, man. And, uh, you know, really enjoyed all your insights here today. And uh, thank you for joining. Appreciate it, Ram. Yes, sir.